Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. We are live here on the Daily Ding. Welcome, everybody. This is actually a fun one in the very end. I'm Jared Weiss. I am joined by Mark Schindler. Daniel Lehman is our producer. And Mark, we just watched the Minnesota Timberwolves pull off a great comeback. And then, of course, blow it because Jokic and Jamal Murray took over in crunch time. And the Nuggets beat the Wolves 122-113 because Bubble Murray is back, baby. Yeah, he was tremendous tonight, man. Uh, I think this is one of those games where you definitely look at it and it's like, wow. I wish Jaden McDaniels was playing. I wish Jaden McDaniels was alive to see this. Oh, he would have loved it so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the Wolves are missing a little bit of horsepower there. Kyle like, Anderson did a solid job in this role. But, I mean, it, it, it credit to Ant Edwards. Ant Edwards, he was at 41 points in this game, 6 for 10 from deep. Um, you know, re- really turned it on in crunch time at the very end after Mike Conley kind of got them back in the game with some spectacular floppitude. But we saw the, the Wolves come back take the lead in the middle of the first quarter or sorry middle of the fourth quarter and then Jokic just has like three dimes in a row just like completely takes over the game and then Jamal Murray starts hitting spectacular shots like it was just amazing to see the Nuggets show like what a one seed does when they're feeling a little bit of heat yeah Jamal was doing his it wasn't even the easy stuff it was all the okay well I'm getting into my taking like two or three steps laterally to to get into something that you just can't contest uh and, you know, it's the the kind of uh, heat check scoring that we've seen from him time and time again in the playoffs. And it's awesome to see him get going like that this year, considering like he played well this year, but he was always kind of like trying to find himself and get into that rhythm. And he hit it tonight. Um, and like you mentioned with Jokic, it felt like the, the thing that just kept breaking open scoring loads uh, for them was the Jokic, Aaron Gordon two-man game. Like, Every time it felt like Minnesota was starting to find something defensively or, or shut a couple actions down, Aaron Gordon would cut or there would be a quick ball screen, um, and they just didn't really have an answer for it. They really struggled to, 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 to stop that, and I, I thought that ended up being a really big problem for them. Yeah, Cat and Gobert still haven't figured it out. It's Not surprisingly, we are in the middle of a playoff series. At this point, it was not going to get figured out, but – this was a rough game for Cat. He only had 10 points on 3 for 12 shooting. Both him and Gobert had five fouls, so did Gordon. Um, Cat had a – he had a, a great pass from Mike Conley. who had a great driving kick to find him wide open in the corner. Pass was like a little bit off, and so it looked like his shot was off, and that's why he missed it. But, I mean, that was on Cat. He should have hit that shot. That would have kept the minute very late there. But he never really asserted himself. It was really on Ant to do everything. Yeah, um, they really struggled to, like you mentioned, it just, their just cohesion wasn't there. Even like, I thought Rudy had a much better game today than he did in game one, as did pretty much everybody on the Wolves. Um, but even then, I felt like there were still a lot of moments of him just struggling. I thought like he had some good moments on, on Jokic, but 
I mean, Jokic still was pretty overwhelming in that matchup, it felt like. Um, granted, and I don't want to make this just a thing about the refs, but the refs made this a really difficult game for both teams. Like the they kind of let so much contact go to open up, and then they were like, okay, well, we're gonna call everything now. And that contributed to frustration for all the players and made it just difficult to guard. Like in the, the last foul on, on Anthony Edwards in the game was like, yo, it just fell over. Like he didn't even hit him barely. It was uh like stuff like that was was weird. It made it difficult to parse through, but um, particularly on the offensive end too, like the Wolves outside of Ant doing what he did, like his ability to you know, get into his pull-up game and also just attack the basket. Um, they really just didn't have anything else going. Like, like, like I mean, Cat really couldn't find anything. He seemed off tonight. Even with Rudy scoring almost 20 points, I mean, he missed some easy looks around the rim. He struggled with chippies. And um, it was just a, a kind of a stiff performance from them overall, it felt like. That was oh, using, okay. You know what? Using the word stiff right after talking about Rudy Gobert, <laughs> you don't have to be that cruel, man. Come on. Uh, I, I want to find the actual timestamp on this, but there was a miss by Gobert on a pick and roll. It was at the two thirty three mark. Yeah, that was had, uh, Conley had just hit a huge three off of a. Uh, I think it was off at the HO from Rudy, um, and then Conley another great pass to get it to Rudy. He had that angle to attack and get over Jokic. It just like. Threw it off the backboard so hard, I think it almost missed a rim. If it didn't miss the rim, that was their chance to get it down to five points, make it a two possession game again. And that was that's what really killed them. And then, you know, Murray started taking over. Gordon had that great little lob play from uh from Jokic at the very end there. It, it was over at that point. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think uh now I'm just hoping that we can see a little bit more from the Wolves in, in you know, game three back in in, in Minnesota, but I'm not super optimistic. I think the the biggest takeaway I have, though, is when you – I mean, no shit, but when you get MPJ and Jamal Murray both going, this offense is really hard to stop. I thought uh, – I mean, MPJ was like a non-factor most of the game. It was funny. I was thinking about it right before he hit his first buck in the fourth quarter. I was like, you know, is Michael Porter Jr. even played tonight? And then he just went absolutely out of his mind in the fourth quarter. Um, got open in, in every way possible and just kind of remember like, hey, I'm six foot ten and I can score over anybody defending me. Um, and I felt like that really just kind of unlocked that extra gear for them. And got to give a big shout out to, to Uncle Jeff Green, 36 years old, putting on early uh, the star turn that, that this, is, uh, this is something that I remember from when I was in high school. Kevin Garnett saying Jeff Green was going to be the face of the NBA someday. It's happening now, 11 years after he said it was going to. So it just took a little bit of time. I was standing right there in front of KG when he said that. I, That's I hilarious. Asked wow. the question if I remember correctly. I don't know. That was like a, that was literally my. I think that was my first year covering the NBA. That's um, incredible. And yeah, and I got to be there for the day that he come. I think did he compare him to MJ? If I, mean, I got to go, back I think and he, that. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty he sure he compared him to MJ or LeBron. But yeah, he yeah. Was like, yeah he's I, I seem to remember walking out of the locker room laughing hysterically when that happened. I was like, oh, yeah. so these guys do lie sometimes. I didn't know that. That was a good journalism lesson there. Thank you, KG, for teaching me about bullshit. Who would have thought? Um, okay, last thing real quick on this game. Tim Connolly, reportedly, might be in the mix for what is now a vacant job uh, running the Wizards because Tommy Shepard was let go earlier on. Uh, is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday, right? It's the playoffs. I don't know what day it is. Uh, Jeff Zilgert reported that from USA Today. Would it would it be the greatest heist of all time if Tim Connolly came to Minnesota had them make what looks like an egregious trade that's going to be horrible for the franchise, and then jettisoned off to another team that's stuck on the treadmill of mediocrity? 
I just want to know how this would even work because he has he has equity in the organization. So like, how does that work? <laughs> like what? Like that's. I mean, he, congrats, dude. Do what you, whatever you want to do, but like, how? How does that work? I mean, they're definitely not going to buy back the equity to let him take another gig. Although maybe they're like, you know, fuck this guy. But I'm sure that trade was ownership driven. I can't imagine that's what Tim Connolly wanted to do with this first big move. But yeah, that would be interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Grizzlies, they beat the Lakers 103 to 93. This game was fascinating because there was no John Morant. There was no Steven Adams. There was no uh, Brandon Clark, but there's Dylan Brooks. There's Dylan Brooks coming at the king himself. Danielle, can we play that clip? There are some people, Lakers are making that run. They get it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say, maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. I guess, what what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. You know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. Mark, who is more delusional, Leonardo DiCaprio in Shutter Island or Dylan Brooks thinking that he won't respect LeBron James until he gives him 40 points? It's got to be Leo, because um, I think that's the that's the kind of movie where when you watch it the second time, you're like, yeah, I should have picked up on this ASAP. Um, but yeah, hearing that quote was <laughs> spectacular. Yeah, I what, love a, it. what a quote, man. Uh, he, he is he is the best Batman villain we've ever seen in the NBA. Also. The white off-white shades, which is perfect for that. But, I mean, Dylan Brooks, he backed it up in this game. Like, hitting that three over LeBron, who didn't even contest him, you know, very late in the game. I mean, that was kind of sad on LeBron's part. But, uh, I mean, Brooks kind of brought everything that they could have asked for him tonight. Yeah, I mean, the defense continues to be really stellar from him. He almost fouled out, so he had his minutes reduced a little bit tonight. But, um, I mean, he does – I think one of the things that – has been so interesting in watching Dylan is that I was somebody who was uh, kind of went through the roller coaster ride with him. You know, when he first came in, I was really interested in what he brought. And then um, he started hitting a stage and I'm like, well, maybe there's just too much Dylan Brooks. And now I think I just recognize how important he is to what this team does. Like they lack shot creation in a way that I, I think it's undersold quite a bit just because they have a lot of ideal uh, players on rookie deals. So people go crazy for that. 
he's just does a lot of shit that's important for them. He's incredibly feisty defensively, especially at the point of attack. Um, he will take shots, which is the biggest thing. Like they traded for Luke Kennard and he has struggled to be confident to take shots. Um, they have a lot of guys who can can do things well, but Dylan just is there to kind of be the glue. And I think it's been a blast to watch. I know, uh, I mean, getting quotes like that makes it all the more exciting. Uh, so, yeah, um, that was a, it wasn't even his best game, which is what makes it, I mean, the fact that he he drops that quote after two is what makes it hilarious. But, yeah. Yeah, and I, I should be clear. When I say give us everything I w- we want, I mean going five for 14, but also playing. like. Well, yeah, like, talking cash shit when you shoot exactly. below 40% from the field. That's that's how money's made in this league. Yeah. It, it was great watching him just like like bark in LeBron's face going down for a time after LeBron just cursing him like, what the fuck are you doing? Basically? He called him a motherfucking bum. Uh, that was uh, that was caught on, on national television. He wasn't wrong. It's very reasonable to call Dylan Brooks a bum if you're playing against Dylan Brooks. Uh, but let's get to the guy that actually played great in this game. Xavier Tillman started 22 points, 13 boards, even three dimes, 10 for 13 shooting. This was like perfection for him. Yeah, I thought he was really essential to what they did. Like, again, duh, he had 22 and 13. But, uh, I mean, so much of what the Lakers were doing – it was kind of funny because one of the things I always get frustrated with is that, oh, well, Ja is a, you know, a, a good team merchant. Like he's not actually it, all that he's been out to be. His impact isn't really there, blah, 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 um, because they win games without him. And I think to me, so much of why this game worked for them is they did everything to load up and stop Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., um, who both got got theirs in, in their own ways. But, I, you know, I, I do think we're mostly contained. But. In doing that, they left all these gaps open, and Xavier Tillman exploited the hell out of them. And that's the exact kind of player he is. He's somebody who's so good at finding ways to create his own offense without having shit run for him. And all he did was like, okay, I'm going to eat on the glass and five offensive rebounds, um, and I'm going to cut. And he ended up taking two open threes too, hit one of them, and that's how you end up having a career night. Like, he was fantastic. I think it really burned the Lakers, and – it's it, again. It was funny in watching because I think this is a game where if Ja plays, I don't think you see nearly this level of impact from Xavier or the same kind because the Lakers are just keying in in different ways and the the, the Grizzlies are frankly playing in a different way. So um, it was. Uh, it's not even that the Lakers' defense was terrible, but it. I, I do think they were pretty uh, relaxed and in, in playing on Xavier, and I think that that, that definitely bit them. All right, we don't even have time to get to the AD portion of the show, but I'm sure that will come up again after Game 3. Uh, really quickly, the Bucks beat the Heat 138-122 to 122 to even up that series. No, Giannis obviously didn't matter. They were up by like 35 points by the end of the second quarter. And uh, Brooke Lopez went 12 for 17 from the field, and none of them were threes. Only took one three in this game, so that was really fascinating. But we're gonna we're just going to skip over that game because that was just a, a, absolute destruction. Really quickly here, we have to get into two things that were fascinating from earlier today. One, Mike Brown, Coach of the Year, unanimous. I feel like that was a no-brainer. And then the Warriors saying that they're shocked, shocked that Draymond Green got suspended. Uh, since these both involved the Kings being superior to the Warriors, let me just mash them together into a quick two-minute segment here. Mark, uh, the suspension, yes or no? And then Mike Brown, unanimous Coach of the Year, yes or no? Uh, yes and yes. You can't stomp on somebody without getting a suspension. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry. And then the Kings have been awesome. Like they're legitimately awesome. I, I think it's well deserved. Yeah, the the so I know Sabonis is antagonizing Draymond Green. Um, 
who cares? Draymond Green has been doing dirty shit constantly throughout his career and doing all the kind of antagonistic stuff. It's kind of comical that people are trying to criticize Sabonis for it as if it's out of bounds with how Draymond acts. Now, in a vacuum, just like straight up, like, yeah, what Sabonis is doing is like obviously ridiculous, but it's this is the way Draymond plays and it's the way the rest are allowing them to play. So, like, we all, I feel like defending Draymond for the stomp is like, or saying he shouldn't be suspended is like defending him and saying he shouldn't be suspended when he punched LeBron in the balls in the finals when LeBron was standing over. It was basically kind of like the same thing. And I saw people saying like, oh, uh, you know, Sabonis was holding his leg and that was the only place he could go down. It was like very clear that he could have stepped over Sabonis. It was, it was very obvious. Like this was a stomp. And I love that they pretended like Sabonis is questionable for game three. That was really adorable. Watch him go out and have like a 25 point triple double. But either way, the Kings are involved. The Warriors are involved. It is going to be awesome. And this show is great. So thank you to everyone who joined us here on the live stream. And thank you to Danielle Lehman producing the show. For Mark Schindler and Jared Weiss, and we'll see you tomorrow on The Dig. Ding, ding, y'all. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.